Welcome to the Jesus Image Podcast. John chapter 6 is a, such a powerful passage. I want you to notice that it begins in verse 1 with the feeding of the 5,000, right? And then once we get to the end of uh, chapter 6, uh, once we get actually to verse 53, the Lord begins to speak about he, he himself being our food to the degree that he says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh, look, look there at verse 53, I'm sorry, 54, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. It's pretty interesting to me that in verse 60, what does verse 60 begin with? Look down in your Bible. What's the first word? Therefore. In other words, because of what Jesus just said, many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? Oftentimes, listen, if we're not careful, what we don't understand can lead us into offense. But just because we don't get it. And it's pretty sad that we feel the need to understand everything with the human mind. And so we've so dialed down the anointing with oil, uh, the covenant of marriage, which is a sacrament of the church, water baptism, the body and blood of Jesus. We've so dialed it down because it's too mysterious for us to get it. And what we don't realize is we actually become offended by the mysteries of God. It's actually a declaration that if I don't understand it, it can't be true, which is pride. There's a lot we don't understand. All the married people said amen. You're still trying to understand your spouse. I mean, there's a lot we don't. We don't understand gravity. We don't understand many of the works of the Lord. But mystery is an invitation into worship. Do you know you'll never fully understand Jesus? In the age to come, you will gaze upon the incarnate son, blown away for billions of years and then the journey has just begun. After the first billion years, the journey has just begun as you are blown away by the fact that God became man and remained man and is seated at the right hand of the Father and wants a relationship with you. That's, that, that's an amazing, amazing truth, though we, though we don't fully understand it. 
We must be careful that the inability to fully understand something, it does not lead us into offense. Now notice Jesus, I want you to look down at verse 61. He doesn't try to qualify his words. He's not trying to make them more palatable or easier to digest. He actually ups the ante here. He ups the intensity in verse 62. Look at it. What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? In other words, he's saying, oh, does what I just, is, does what I just said offend you? Is that an issue for you? You're about to see me take off from the ground. Don't you love that he just said, well, here's the deal. Let me help you through this. I didn't really, really mean that. Now, I believe that John 6 is not only speaking of the sacrament of communion. There's some disagreement there. I believe it does also speak of the reception of his presence and word. I think it's both. Okay? Certain uh, denominations would say this is only speaking of the sacrament of communion. That's fine. I'm not here to argue. Others would say I, this has nothing to do with communion. It only has to do with the scriptures. Personally, I think it has to do with both because of the way the chapter starts. He begins to feed the people. Do you understand? So it's a Eucharistic chapter. And that's why the Lord takes the bread, gives thanks, then blesses it. The word Eucharist means thanksgiving. It comes from the Greek word ephkaristo, which means to give thanks. And so here you see the Lord take the bread that I believe is speaking of his own body. He lifts it to the Father. He thanks the Lord for the, for the bread, which is why we give thanks over every meal. Remember, the table, a family table is meant to be holy. You know, uh, dinner is not meant to be eaten in separate rooms all over the house. I'm just saying, like, I don't like that. Well, I don't care. That's just, you're not going to find that uh, in, the, in the way Jesus walks with his disciples. Now, I do believe in what Lou has been talking about regarding a great communion revival. People have come to me because they know how, how beautiful communion is to us. They've wanted to talk about that. I do believe God is reestablishing the beauty of communion to his church. However, we have to be real careful that our message does not become the communion table. So we have to be careful there. The message should be who is at the table, who is in the bread, who is in the wine, by the Spirit. Do you understand? So I'm grateful, I'm grateful, but I'm always going to call us to the person of Jesus, right? So, so what can happen is if we make the setting, the message, if we're not careful, uh, we can step into structure without the beautiful life that flows. Is this making sense? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like saying, should, should you read your Bible? Of course you should read your Bible. But is the gospel, read your Bible? No. The gospel is, this is the Jesus of the Bible. Right? So you've got to look for Jesus there. There are many people who are baptized in water and don't hear about Jesus, don't know Jesus, haven't heard the gospel. That's what happens when my message becomes the structure. Does that, does that make sense to you? So the structure is meant to serve the divine life. And so here we have this beautiful, beautiful picture 
that's being played out here in John chapter 6, where Jesus in the beginning of the chapter reveals who he is. He is the one, listen carefully, who feeds us. All right? Are you, are you understanding? And that's part of the reason I love John's gospel, because they say uh, in academic circles that John's gospel is the gospel of the East. It's for the more Eastern heart. That's uh, uh, what some parts of the church would call the more mystical heart. It's, John's gospel is speaking of the lamb who is slain. It's a very spiritual, symbolic gospel. And you see that throughout John's writings, right? He, he writes in the book of Revelation about this lamb who had been slain. And amazingly, there's a lamb in the midst of the throne. And there are elders around the lamb who are casting down their golden crowns. And this is the, the imagery by which the early church actually began to raise up uh, worship services that we would call liturgies and have uh, chanters and singers who would sing the psalms. And, and this is where we get the whole idea of leadership in a Christian worship service. You don't want to be in a worship service where that has no authority. Okay, that's a trend now that if anybody is in authority, it's probably like unsafe. No, no, it's really unsafe if there's nobody in authority. That's where it gets really swirly because there's authority in heaven and John gets a picture of this authority in heaven. There's structure in heaven. There's an order to the way Jesus moves with his disciples. You see who he trusts the most, right? By who he brings the closest. You understand that? Even when, when the food is multiplied, the Lord doesn't just call anyone. It's not just a free-for-all. He calls his disciples to them they bring him what they have, right? And then when he blesses it, he puts it back in their hands and it multiplies in their hands. Interesting, it didn't multiply in the Lord's hands. It multiplied when they started going out with it. It's a beautiful truth. So structure is very, very important. In fact, structure is an invitation to divine life. I'm deeply concerned about... Um, gatherings, as I said, that have no authority. And you say, well, I can't trust authority. Well, you're going to have to at some point. You know, you're just going to have to. What if I get hurt? Hey, you probably will. Well, what if I get really hurt? Then you just got to really forgive. And if you're in authority, you have to take it really seriously and go as low as you know to be and realize that there's a, a, a more strict uh, judgment for you. So it's not like the person in authority just gets away unscathed. If they misuse it, God will deal with them. So much so that James says, do not rush. Do not desire to teach the word. For you'll be judged more harshly. You understand? So here you see, John beholds this type of setting in heaven in the book of Revelation. And John is this beautiful spiritual writer. My favorite writer in the Bible is John the Beloved. And so there's symbolism here taking place in John chapter 6. First, Jesus reveals himself as the one who feeds us. Say this, Jesus, Jesus. feeds me. Jesus. All right, that's really important. So when you don't feel nourished inside, listen carefully, you will fill it with another form of nourishment. You will, you will attempt, it might be attention. It's kind of what I prayed over Allison today, tonight, that, that Jesus would be her food. Because, like, would she be okay 
if she couldn't sing for like two or three months? Would she be able to like feel like she's all right? Now, I didn't preach for five weeks. I felt great. You know? <laughs> when I pulled back in the parking lot, I, I, I told you this before, I, I thought, well, I still have time to hit reverse and extend the vacation. But you don't want your identity to be found in what you do. You know? Because at some point, listen carefully, the crowds will be dismissed. They're all going to go away at some point. It doesn't mean they're going to be bad. It just means at some point, your season in life will change. We don't want to think that way, but I watched it in, in Oral Roberts. Here's a man who laid hands personally, probably on more people than anyone in modern history. On, I think, a few million people he actually put his hand on for the ministry of healing. Yet when I would visit him with Pastor Benny, he'd just be sitting there all alone on his recliner. If the crowds were his food, he would have been in bad shape. If the crowds fed him, not only if they were his food, but if they were the ones feeding him, he's in bad shape. So if opportunity feeds you, you'll be in bad shape. Say this, Jesus is the one who feeds me. All right, it's very important. Now, what does he feed us with? Well, he tells us right here. In verse 53, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. What does he feed you with? Say himself. Oh, wow. So he's the one who feeds me, and he feeds me with himself. I need him really bad. And do you know that is what will happen in the age to come? It's the entire point of the marriage supper of the Lamb, where Jesus Christ is both host and meal. Hmm? Say this, Jesus loves to feed me. It's so true. In fact, when you're most scattered and most anxious and most depressed, uh, most afraid, it's probably because you need a good meal. And I don't mean a burrito. <laughs> it's probably because you forgot to have a drink and have a meal. We see this typified throughout the Old Testament. Here you have Elijah, an amazing story. I have to be honest, I've been through this. I'm not saying I'm Elijah. I've heard preachers say that they're Elijah. Don't believe them. I don't know if I need to say that. <laughs> I guess today you do. It's not true. They're not Elijah. Their name's probably like Tony. Okay, they're not Elijah. <laughs> Wild stuff, crazy stuff, man. But it happens. That's what happens. You start reading the Bible. Stop reading that thing. It'll, you replace the Bible with Facebook, you're going to get some wild stuff. I am Elijah now. I'm like, you are not Elijah, bro. You drove here in a Honda. You didn't come on a chariot. What are you talking about? You're not Elijah. You didn't. What do you mean? 
that shirt's from Target. It's not camel hair. You're not Elijah. No. We see this happen in the ministry of Elijah. I've, I've experienced this sort of thing. Where God says, here's your assignment. And then with, listen up now, with the declaration from the Lord, divine life wraps up the instruction. And when you receive it, you receive the divine life to obey. And you have the faith for it. And to the natural, it looks bonkers. Like we don't need to be busier. I have no reason to be happy or to feel energetic at all right now. Yet here we are flying back and forth to the West Coast watching God move. We're all happy. Uh, tired bodies, full hearts. Uh, hopefully we're not complaining about it. Hopefully we're pinching ourselves saying, this is what we dreamt about. To see the Lord move, right? So that's what comes with the instruction. Because the Bible says, my words are spirit and they are life. So when you receive the word of the Lord, you receive the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit. So when Moses finally settled in his heart, I will go according to the word that came out of the burning bush. When he said, I will go, and he received that word, he received the grace to accomplish the instruction. Some of you missed that. See, you don't need to muster up new faith if you'll simply hear the word of the Lord and obey. The grace to walk in that faith is found in the reception of the instruction. Just take it like a kid. Just do it like a little, say, I'll do it. I'll, I'm, I'm in. Are you tracking with me? So Elijah receives the instruction. He calls the false prophets of Baal. He calls all of Israel to Mount Carmel and challenges uh, the false prophets. And he wants Israel to settle in her heart. When I say her, I'm meaning, meaning the nation. To settle in her heart who she will serve and he actually says, today you're going to decide who is the Lord and who is not, who is the real God. And so we know what happens. The prophets of Baal start cutting themselves, calling on their God. <laughs> Elijah does something that I would probably, probably be deemed as, I don't know, rude today, not pastoral enough. He starts mocking what they're doing. Oh, is he dead? What's wrong? It's not the most politically correct behavior. What happened here, God? Is he sleeping? Cut away. That's basically what he's saying. And then Elijah takes over and he washes the altar. Pours water out upon it, which speaks of the cleansing power of the Holy Spirit upon our hearts and the washing of the word. And he fills not only the altar with water, but the ditches around it just to make the miracle, uh, just to give it a little more oomph before these false prophets. The power of the Holy Spirit falls Fire consumes the altar. That wasn't enough for Elijah. Zeal hits him, and he begins to execute the false prophets. A mighty victory takes place. After that, he begins to pray. We know what happens, right? I hear the sound of rain. He sees a cloud the size of a man's hand. You know, people who are walking with Jesus do not live a lifestyle of seeing the glasses being half empty. I hate that spirit around me. I cannot stand that spirit around me. I don't like it when the Lord speaks to me in faith and somebody close to me tells me why it can't happen. I disdain it. I don't like it. That's not how I got into this thing. It's certainly not how we're going to finish this thing. 
There's just no room for it. Right? You, you, need, you, you need to know uh, who to surround yourself with when God says, hey, go take that mountain. I love what Reinhardt used to say to his staff. They'd say, Reinhardt, we don't have the faith for that. He'd say, good, use mine. Good, use mine. So Elijah sees this hand. When he sees the hand, he goes, it's going to pour. Most people would say it's just the size of a hand. Elijah's like, it's about to rain. And the Lord empowers him. He supernaturally runs, right? We know what happens. He outruns those who are not on foot. Mighty victory of the likes that were rare in Israel on top of a holy mountain named Mount Carmel. And one threat is issued from a witch. From a witch who operates in uh, the desire to be noticed, mixture, sexual perversion, intimidation, and threats. That's what she does. And Elijah's freaked out by this threat from a woman. This guy just smoked hundreds of prophets with a sword. And he runs. This is so powerful to me. Don't miss what I'm about to tell you because some of you, I feel this in the spirit, some of you have gone outside of God's perfect will for your life. Whether it's where you're supposed to be, who you're supposed to be with, what you're supposed to be doing. You kind of go in and out, in and out, in and out. And you find when you go out that something's missing. The question is, what do you do now? It's found in what Elijah does here. I love this. The Bible says he runs to Horeb, which is Sinai. And he goes to Horeb to a cleft and a rock. And many of the fathers of the early church taught that this is exactly where Moses encountered God. Oh, hold on. What do you do? What do you do? When you're afraid and anxious. What do you do when you feel off kilter? What do you do when you feel depressed? What do you do when you forgot the glory of a victory that was just days prior? Be careful what you meditate on after a great victory. Be really careful that you don't forget to thank the Lord and occupy your mind with threats from the devil. Be real careful. Keep your testimony. Are you listening to me? Keep your testimony after a great victory. Begin to thank the Lord after a great victory. Begin to think about all the Lord has done after a great victory. Meditate on that. But Elijah doesn't. He receives those words and he runs, but he ran to the right spot. He ran to the place where his forefather, listen carefully, experienced the glory. See, what I'm about to tell you right now, I'm not even sure most people even believe, which is sad, that we're that shallow in the spirit. But hang on to the voices that changed our life 
and learn to run to the sound of those voices when you're in your lowest point. Elijah found the location where it all began for Israel. He knew that there was a well in the spirit available for him that was from the ancient past. For me, when I'm not doing my best, when I'm discouraged, when I'm afraid, I'm tired, there are voices I listen to. I listen to Pastor Benny. I listen to Miss Kuhlman. I listen to Mother Bessie Leah. There are others I listen to. Joy's teachings. I, I go back through them and I, 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 will, I will listen to, to certain old worship that touched me in my early days and it brings back to remembrance where it all started. When you leave those spouts, when you leave those uh, spiritual faucets, when you forget to drink from the voices that birthed you, you can live in discouragement. Huh? So Elijah does that. He encounters the Lord there. There's, we know what happens. There's a whirlwind. There's a great shaking. The Lord is not in any of them. He's found in that still small voice. We know that. But something mighty happens. And this is what I want to point to regarding communion. An angel shows up and feeds Elijah with a cake that the angel makes. <laughs> and Miss Kuhlman used to say, this was God's first angel food cake. <laughs> and Elijah ate the cake, the Bible says. He ate the bread. Listen to the, 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 the typology. Elijah eats the bread and takes a nap. Then finds strength to not eat again for 40 days and runs with might and speed and power. What's the beauty here? In the bread, rest is found. Huh? In your discouragement, run to the one who is living bread. Let him feed you at his table, the holy body and blood of Jesus. What will happen? Rest will come to your soul. What's on the other side of the rest? Divine life, divine strength. The flesh wants you to keep running in your own strength. What was God's remedy? Was it a counseling? No, counseling is needed. I believe that more than ever now that I'm pastoring. I, I, I think... Gosh, I wish I had 400 counselors who could work with all of you eight times a day. I'm in. More than you could have. When I was an evangelist, I was like, counselors are just a waste of time. Now that I'm with people every day, I'm like, counselors are from heaven. <laughs> counselors will be right next to the throne in the age to come. However, however, God's remedy for Elijah it's not a long counseling session. It is a meal. It is bread. And it is rest. And on the other side of that rest is power and divine life. Say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So, tonight, I want you, by faith, to come to Jesus So holy is communion. I want you to think of this for a second. The Bible says 
Satan himself entered Judas after he received the meal. So how holy is this meal? That if it's taken improperly with the wrong heart as Judas received it, that the enemy himself used the table of communion to literally possess Judas. What type of power are we talking about here? Just, can you just chew on that for a second? Let's turn this into a, just a Jesus school session. I want you to take the time to think about that. How powerful is communion that if it is received improperly today, according to Paul, if we do not discern the body and blood of the Lord Jesus, if we take it improperly. There are many teachings around that. I think some are partially true, partially consistent with what the scriptures teach. We try to say, well, as long as we're in the room together and discerning that we're the body of Christ. Yes and no. That's not what that's saying there. It's very clear that how you receive the meal, how you view the meal, how you discern the meal is a make it or break it issue. And Paul says to not discern the Lord's body is to receive the meal improperly and that many, the scripture says, are sick and have fallen asleep among us because they did not discern the body of the Lord. I just have a question. I wonder how much healthier the church would be if we received communion often enough and received it properly. See, I just don't understand communion. Again, let the mystery birth worship in your soul. Do not let the lack of understanding birth offense. So tonight, if we choose, uh, something I've asked our church many times is this question. If taking communion improperly can bring sickness and death, what could taking communion properly bring in our life? Healing, divine life. There is rest on the other, I should say, yeah, there's rest on the other side of the reception of communion and there is power and divine life on the other side of the rest. So tonight, I don't know what you walked in with, but why don't you sit at the table of the Lord by faith tonight like Mephibosheth sat at King David's table and Mephibosheth's broken legs were invisible. They were not seen by the rest of the community at David's table. Tonight, your weakness is hidden at the table of communion. Your brokenness, it's safe there at the table. Your, your sickness, your mental struggle, it's at the table of the Lord where he, he covers us with his presence and while we are crippled to the world, we sit there as family in the Lord's presence. Amen? What do you need tonight? Honestly, what do you need tonight? Is it sickness in your body? Do you struggle with anxiety? I don't know. Are you weighed down? Are you tired? Remember, Jesus feeds us and is our food. Let, let his body and blood strengthen you. You say, I'm not enough like Jesus to receive communion. Well, we all sin. Confess it tonight. 
You'll have a, an opportunity in just a moment. Confess it. In your heart, turn from it. People wait until they're perfect to receive the body and blood of Jesus, not realizing that it's the meal that actually aids in making us more like Jesus. The devil wants us to stay away. But don't rush. Listen carefully. Do not rush to these elements if you're living in willful, habitual sin. Do not do it. If you don't know Jesus, I'm lovingly asking you, don't receive communion. Repent now and come to him. You've, you already had a chance earlier, but, but this, this is a family meal. You see? This is a beautiful meal where we don't only, this is very important, admire who the Lord is, but literally consume who he is. It speaks of the Lord's love and nature. He's saying, I'm not content just being thought of. I want to come in and be, become part of your literal being. I want this overlapping to take place, this mingling of divine life with you until we're caught up in the Lord and walking and living in his presence. Amen? Sickness often leaves when Jesus becomes so real to you that you forgot about your sickness. The night I got healed here in 1989... I did feel the power of God, there's no doubt. But in that encounter, I don't think there was a moment where I said, I'm healed. I just got up and forgot I was ever sick. And it's been 33 years and I still forgot I was ever sick. And I have not had a single symptom since that night. I was caught up in God. Do you understand? I was caught up in the presence of God. So that Epstein Barr, it lost its power in my thinking I, because he had become all in all to me in that moment. You know, the scripture says they looked unto him and their faces were radiant. If there's something about looking at Jesus where his divine life begins to even affect our mortal bodies like Moses on Sinai, his face began to shine because he was beholding the Lord. And so this is the place where you are delivered. I said this is the place where you're delivered. This is the place where chains fall. This is the place where what plagued your mind uh, dissolves. This is the place where looping cyclical thought patterns die. Actually, this is the place of forgiveness. Jesus said this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood that is shed for the remission or the forgiveness of sin. This is the place where we receive forgiveness and where we forgive one another. We cannot afford to hold on to offenses at the table of the Lord. Aren't you grateful? This is the place of protection. And lastly, this is the place of union. Union with the Lord. Notice he wants to be consumed, wants to be received. This is a supernatural meal. In this meal, the supernatural and the natural collide. Your mortal body receives the supernatural power of God through the body and blood of Jesus. And so tonight, if you're sick in body, if you're plagued with emotional trauma, I don't know what it is, or if you're just worn out, if it's, if it's uh, 
chronic fatigue, if it's these hereditary issues, if people in your family are crazy and you don't want to be, you are part of a different covenant. It's at this type of table where generational problems die. That's where chronic issues leave. So let's come to the Lord now. Holy Father, we sit in your wonderful presence tonight. Just take a moment and become aware of his presence, would you? And as we sit here, Lord, we feel that glorious light, the light of your presence. In your presence, Lord, everything's different. Everything's more beautiful. As your word says, the place they prayed was shaken. Shake our hearts, shake our souls. Come, Lord, and grip us in the depths of our being tonight. We confess our sins, Father. There are many. There are many, Lord, we're still in this body that is decaying, still in this world that is against you. Forgive our words, forgive our thoughts. The Lord's already starting to touch many of you. Forgive our deeds, forgive decisions, forgive greed and pride. Forgive dishonor, Lord, and gossip and everything, everything that comes from us that grieves you, Holy Spirit. Forgive us, Holy Father. We confess you, Jesus, as Lord. Lord over our lives, Adonai. Great King of Salvation. Son of David. You call us to the table tonight, to your table, where you are the meal. I thank you for your presence in this room. And all of us, Lord, individually, as one body, we say, forgive our sin. Cleanse us. My wonderful Holy Spirit, Sweet heavenly dove, come and rest with us now. Kiss these elements with your holy presence as we prepare to receive the body and blood of Jesus. As your word says, there were none feeble among them when Israel left Egypt after that meal. Let your holy power flow. At the moment, Lord, we receive the body, that bread, 
the moment it touches our mouths, let the life of God fill your people. Let there be none feeble among us. Let's take the bread. Just hold it in your hands. Many of you are feeling the power of God already. I know I do. Give the Lord all of your attention. All of it. All of it. Don't look at me. Don't look at Joel. Don't look at anyone. Just close your eyes. Give all your attention to Jesus. All of it. Let's lift the bread. Father, we lift the bread as Jesus lifted it. As he was lifted on the tree, as the bread of life suspended on the cross, as that great loaf, the bread that comes down from heaven, as his back was torn, so the bread was torn. And you told us, Lord, that you have food we don't know about. Bread of heaven, fill us tonight as we thank you for the wounds on your head, that crown of thorns that heals our mind. We thank you for your face that was marred beyond recognition so that we would carry your image and be recognized at the throne. Holy Jesus, we thank you for your back that was whipped. Oh, just behold the lamb as I'm talking to you. We thank you for your back that was whipped for by your stripes we are healed. Heal your people tonight. Let your power just begin flowing. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you, Jesus, for those precious hands. The hands that formed Adam. I am fearfully and wonderfully made, your word says. The hands that formed us the hands that held the universe, the hands that keep the oceans in their boundaries, keep the stars in their positions, those holy hands that healed the multitudes in Galilee, the hands that ministered to the children, the hands that healed the leper, pierced with nails so that the work of our hands would be acceptable in your sight. Holy King, there is none like you. Thank you. Thank you for your wounded hands. Thank you, Jesus, 
for your feet. Transfixed to the tree with a nail. These holy feet that treaded where angels trod. As Isaiah saw you, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple with glory. Those holy feet that sat upon the throne, the great Lord of heaven that Isaiah beheld, that Daniel saw, that Ezekiel saw, that John the Beloved saw. Those holy feet that used the earth as a footstool walked the shores of Galilee looking for person after person to heal and make whole to touch to restore and redeem you said for this reason the son of man has come I must go on you said when they tried to keep you I must go on and continue preaching the son of man has come for this reason The feet that Mary poured her ointment on were nailed to the tree. For the cross is the throne of God. The feet they washed, your precious body when you were taken off that tree, before they buried you, all to redeem our walk, pierce our walk tonight. With the nail of the cross, cleanse us, mark us. And we thank you tonight for the wound on your side. It was opened, telling us there's a way in. Come to my heart. My heart is available now. The doorway is open. Just knock, and the door shall be opened. And from your holy side came water and blood. The move of the Holy Spirit, the washing of the word, and the cleansing of the blood. We, your people tonight, say thank you, Holy Lord. We don't take it lightly. Thank you, Holy Lord. And so we lift the bread and we break it because your body was torn. And we who are many become one in your presence. We receive the bread of life in the mighty name of Jesus. And may everything that is not of God in your life bow its knee, spirit, soul, and body. May the King of glory destroy every work of the devil tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, receive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Take the cup. Lord, 
you said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood shed for you for the remission of sin. Cleanse us, seal us, protect us. I plead the blood over every person listening to my voice. May the blood of Jesus cover you. May the blood of Jesus surround you. May his holy blood be a hedge about you. May his blood wash you. May his blood open your eyes to his beauty. Your word says, when the enemy comes in, you raise up a standard like a flood. And let the power of the blood flood our lives. Holy King, we give you all the glory. We thank you for the blood that speaks a better word than that of Abel, that it doesn't speak revenge, it doesn't speak judgment or vengeance. The blood speaks mercy. The blood speaks acceptance. The blood speaks family. And so tonight we say, Our Father, we receive the holy blood of the meal. Have your way in us, in Jesus' name. Receive. Just sit there in that wonderful presence. Sit there, take, receive, and just sit there with your eyes closed. Hallelujah. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can like and subscribe to help us continue to reach people around the world with the gospel. Give today at jesusimage.tv forward slash give. You can also join us in person or online every Sunday at Jesus Image Church. For more information on Jesus Image, events, Jesus School, and resources, visit jesusimage.tv.